Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property. Today I'm joined by Michael Tees. Strata and community title law and management has been the focus of Michael's professional life since 1985. He is the principal of Block Strata Lawyers and the founder of Block Strata PTY Limited. Block Strata delivers online strata management. Michael has always been fascinated and often frustrated by the way groups of owners behave when dealing with common property in strata developments. He is the author of Growing Up, How Strata Title Bodies Might Learn to Behave, published in 2015. It is a thought-provoking and entertaining book about ownership of strata property and living in high-rise and higher-density apartments and townhouses. The book helps strata communities and the owners' corporations that run them think about strata issues they face now and into the future. Michael writes a weekly blog, tweets daily, publishes a newsletter weekly and appears on television each week. I had the privilege of sharing a stage with him at this year's conference for the Australian College of Community Association Lawyers. Today, I am delighted to welcome Michael Tees from Block Strata. Welcome, Michael. Thank you for having me, Amanda, and congratulations on your podcast and its success. Thank you very much. I am enjoying it immensely. Michael, I want to start by asking you to tell us why you think it is so important for people living in a strata community to learn to behave. Mm. Look, Amanda, our society is in transition. We're we're transitioning from freestanding houses where we've had relative freedom to live our life the way we want to higher density living where, of course, we are sharing floors and walls and ceilings. And frankly, we're not very good at that sharing concept. Bad strata, whether it be bad strata management or bad strata relationships, affects people's lives in a very real and emotional way. Mm. At one level, you can take what we do as lawyers and you can look at it and say, this is trivial. This is something about dog waste or a leaking pipe or something else. But really, when you stop and think about it, these are things that are affecting people in their homes, that most precious of sanctuaries Mm. where we retreat from the world. And to have things annoy us and irritate us in that space really does go to our, our mental health and our well-being. And you're probably the same. But in my 30 years of law, there is many, many times where that box of tissues on my desk has been used mm-hmm. and, and sometimes even by my clients. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, it's very important that we get this right. And it must start with the people themselves in the community. Mm. It's funny that you talk about the box of tissues. In a past life, I did quite a bit of family law. And when I tell people that, they say, oh, that's so different from strata. That was a big change. And I say, you know what? It's actually not. (laughs) It is just as emotional. And you are dealing with people's lives, their everyday and important issues that are close to the heart. That's right. And I think obviously when people come to see us, 
they're at the end of the line and we see people in quite distressed circumstances. I think it's also important to remember that there are many people out there living quite well and getting on with things and yep. sorting things out themselves. So as lawyers we and strata professionals, we mustn't lose sight of that either. Mm. All right. So what do well-behaved or reasonable strata owners look like? I think the starting point for me is the leader in business. We say, of course, that a fish rots from the head. And that's a way of sort of describing that a a good organisation has a good leader and a bad organisation will have a bad leader. So I think it's important in strata and and a reasonable strata entity for me is one that's headed by someone other than the bully. Mm. If the bully's in charge or might not even be a bully, if the person who's the dominant person, the, the person who has an agenda but it's not a balanced agenda, if that person's in charge, then it's an unreasonable entity. That would be my first point. My second point is that a reasonable strata entity has fair expectations of its manager and its contractors. When people expect more for less, that's unreasonable behaviour mm. and they're not going to get the answers that they want, the outcome that they want. So a reasonable entity will have a good leader and it will be fair with its people and its contractors and look towards paying what is necessary to get the outcome they want. Mm. And finally, I would say a fair entity is one that has its rules and its procedures documented, but more than that, made accessible. I think a lot of the trouble we see in strata entities comes about because people frankly just don't know Mm. and don't understand what the rules are. Now, those of us that are engaged in strata management might find that outrageous that someone's moved in and doesn't know that they can't have their dog or doesn't know that they can't put the air conditioning unit where they want without telling anyone. But we shouldn't assume that people know these things and we have to publish and make accessible the rules and the procedures. So if there's not a pet application form, where pets must be allowed only with approval, then that's unreasonable. We've got to have a form and we've got to tell people where to find the form. Mm. They're the sort of hallmarks, I think, in a very practical way of what a reasonable entity looks like. Mm. You talk about leadership. Do you think the strata manager has a role to play there? Do you see that person in the role of leader or is it the committee members? Yeah, look, ideally it should be a committee member and it should come from within. But, look, there are some entities that, that just don't have somebody to fulfil that role, particularly in a small strata where, you know, there are maybe four or five or six people, there just might not be a leader amongst them. And Mm. so in that situation, a good strata manager with leadership capacity will step in and fill that void. And that's quite legitimate. Mm. Uh, What I think is important for strata managers is to know what their capabilities and limitations are. Yes. If If they are instinctively a leader, then they will gravitate to fill the void. Mm. If they're not a leader, they're managers, and there is a big difference between the two, then I think it's important that they know that. Being a manager is just as important as being a leader. They're just different things. And um, it's very rare for one to be both. Leaders, I think Peter Drucker said it best when he said, managers do things right, leaders do things right at the right time. And that's a a very important distinction, I think. So Mm. I think for strata managers, they need to feel comfortable doing what they do. Don't pretend to be a leader if you're not. And 
strata committee should be honest enough with themselves to say, what is the type of manager we need? Do we need somebody who is going to attend to the detail and support us in our decisions or do we need someone to drive us in our decision making? Yeah. And you can see how that is so linked to setting expectations, which was your other point. Yeah. The strata manager being very clear and transparent, which is something that you raise in the book, with the committee about what I'm here for, what I think I'm here for, what I think you want me to do, and the committee being very clear about what they expect from the strata manager. I think those first conversations when any committee is elected are very important. And, And too often I see committees elected and go to their first meeting and pick up where the last committee left off Mm. without actually stopping and saying, right, why are we here? What are we trying to achieve? You know, having some sort of sense of of purpose is fundamental. And it's one of the things I raise in my book that in our various dimensions of society, whether it be the government sector, the public service, the corporate sector, even the not-for-profit sector, We have expectations of each other, which are modern community-driven standards. We have expectations and we talk about transparency. We talk about accountability. We talk about reasonableness. We talk about sustainability and all these attributes that we as a society generally think good things are applicable to our entities. We are so far from that in Strata, it's not (laughs) funny. Um, And yet, Strata is as many of our colleagues in the profession would say, the fourth level of government, it affects two million people. It's going to affect more people as we become inhabitants of denser cities. So, you know, it is time that we looked at strata entities as in the category of not-for-profits and corporate entities and start saying, well, what are our reasonable expectations of each other? And what behaviour do we want that to drive? Mm, Good points. While we're talking about what well-behaved strata owners look like, I want to pull out an extract from your book, which I thought was a fabulous framework. It's where you're talking about learning to be reasonable and you talk a lot about bylaws and Mm. how we can be incredibly unreasonable when we're drafting and enforcing bylaws. And you put this, I'll call it this five-step framework for how an owner's corporation or a committee might assess whether or not they're being reasonable. And number one, they should ask themselves, is this bylaw really necessary? Number two, does it conform to modern social and broader community standards? Number three, does the proposal provide options and alternatives for individual behaviour? Number four, is it practical and enforceable? And number five, is it lawful? I thought that was fabulous. And I wanted our listeners to have the benefit of that framework because I think it's something that every committee and every owners corporation should be going through when they're drafting new bylaws, at least. I think it's very, very important because an overzealous committee writing thou shalt not bylaws (laughs) can, can stifle and kill reasonableness and a sense of community very quickly. Mm. I shudder when I read a lot of strata, body corporate, owners corporation newsletters. They're as if they're issued by, you know, a dictatorship of, you know, (laughs) terrible proportions. They're just quite depressing. They tell you what you can't do, what you must not do. And they're just so negative. They're just so negative that you can understand why people in a busy world where we're getting bombarded with messages, just look at that and just fold it up and say, that's just rubbish, you know, or just not be inclined to read it. Mm. So, So I think bylaws fall into that category. You know, you can't regulate everything and you shouldn't. Bylaws are about having a discussion. Mm. 
if you have to enforce a bylaw, well, you're in a very, very sad community. And bylaws are about having a discussion about what is acceptable and what's not acceptable in a particular community. And that's the point of them. And they can be used to that end. But really, we shouldn't be passing bylaws to, you know, stop people sitting on, on, you know, I had a group come in to me the other day and they wanted a bylaw to stop people sitting on windowsills Mm. in a beautiful, you know, 1920s building with sash windows. And, and, you know, it's just, you know, what are people going to do? Walk around on a Saturday night with a flashlight and and sort of, you know, (laughs) issue infringement notices to someone on the second floor because someone's got their backside resting up against a windowsill. Mm. It's just ridiculous. And we've Mm. got to stop that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think lawyers have a role to play there too. Where we are instructed to draft bylaws, something that I consider part of my role is to tell that client, how are you going to enforce this? This really, this is unenforceable. Do you really want me to do this? Do you really want to spend money, owner's money on me drafting this when it's going to be a useless piece of paper? Yeah. There is a responsibility there on lawyers and there is also an ethical thing. I mean, in Queensland, for example, where you can't have a bylaw prohibiting dogs, Mm. it's not uncommon for somebody to instruct you and say, well, look, I want the bylaw anyway because we're going to bluff. Mm, and, you know, that's not ethical. That's not right. And it doesn't lead to, you know, that, that's an example of a, a strata manager or the strata entity being unreasonable. Mm. And, um, and we have to call that stuff out when we see it. Mm, I agree. Okay, Michael, could you share a story around how your knowledge and your skills in this area has helped a building? Yeah, look, I thought about some experiences I've had. And, and, you know, one of the ones I'm proudest of is a quite a small building that had six owners and a very, very long history of dysfunctionality and quite toxic relationships between the key people on this committee. And they had a range of issues they couldn't agree on. Some were small and some were large. The choice of carpet for the new foyer was something that, you know, had taken on epic proportions whilst out the back a a fire safety order had been issued condemning stairs and landings and um, that wasn't getting the attention that it deserved, quite a big job and people tend to do that. When faced with a big problem or a small problem, they'll often obsess about the the small and relatively unimportant issue. Mm. I took them as a group and said, look, this is just getting nowhere, you're just deadlocked and if one person says this, the other person says that, and the rest are benign. So there was really two quite strong personalities that had to start to respect one another. So I put them on a course and I said, look, you know, any relationship takes effort. You have to put effort into any relationship and strata is no different. And this is very bad and it's starting to impact on people's amenity and also safety. So um, I took them and I put them on a program where we met frequently by teleconference. Mm. I find teleconference really good when there are bad relationships with people because I find teleconferences quite useful to depersonalise conflict and, um, you know, only one person can speak at a time on a teleconference and that's a good starting point. So we had frequent short teleconferences about issues. I then structured issues so that we took the easiest issues first and made some decisions Mm. and celebrated the fact that we got a decision made without bloodshed. And over a course of six months, gradually, I let them take over the teleconferences. And in the final analysis, they were beginning to function well. They developed a habit of treating each other with respect. Yes. And they actually started to get things done and they made progress. Yeah. Great tips there. So teleconferencing, dealing with the easy issue first. I think that's a really great tip because then you can have some quick wins there that give them the confidence to know that they can resolve these things. That's right. And look, that's lesson 101 of 
mediation and conciliation. Yeah. You know, hello, it's a nice day, isn't it? Let's agree on something. Let's agree it's not raining. Mm. You know, let's agree that it's Wednesday. It doesn't matter what it is. Let's just agree something and build from there. Yeah. And it's about building that habit, that habit of communication, cooperation, and really changing the culture of the building. And what I I was proud of in that particular case, that the people involved were prepared to put in the time. And I think that's important for Strata. It is a relationship. It is a complex set of relationships. And we will not get peace and tranquility and harmony or better functionality in Strata until people do put in the time. Mm. And instead of coming to a meeting angry and frustrated and demanding, come to a meeting with a sense of, okay, we've got an hour or we've got two hours. Let's make most of that time. Let's actually get something done and feel good about that Mm. so that we come back next time. I mean, participation levels are low because strata meetings are regarded as a bun fight. Yes. And we have to turn that around. We have to to make meetings productive and a little bit more pleasant so that we get people to come. Mm, Definitely. Okay. What are some of the challenges that you've noticed buildings are facing when it comes to improving their behavior? And what are some of your tips for overcoming those? I come back to leadership. I think mm. finding a firm but fair leader is is really important. And where people have the wrong leader, um, somebody has to tap that person on the shoulder yes. and say, look, it's time for a change. And that's quite confronting, but but it's necessary. And change won't come about unless somebody is prepared to have that quiet conversation. It shouldn't be done publicly. It certainly shouldn't be done at the meeting. Mm. It should be done quietly to say, look, thank you for what you've done, but I don't think your continued involvement at this level is going to work for us. I think it's time for a change. Mm. I think we have to get a firm but fair leader who is then going to be able to incorporate different points of view and understand that we're not going to, in the context of a strata organisation, we're not going to change people's behaviour. We're not going to change dumb people into smart people or rude people into polite people. We just have to deal with who we've got. Mm. And that takes a firm but fair leader. I think we have to stop penny pinching. Strata entities must get away from the fact that they have to keep levies as low as they were last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Property prices are not as low as they were last year. If you're in Sydney you've enjoyed 10% compound growth Mm. for some time and your budgets must expand accordingly. You need to pay. I'm not saying that you pay unwisely. I think you spend your money wisely, but it is unrealistic to expect more for less. So I think we need to get away from penny pinching. And that comes down to, you know, even things like accepting the lowest quote habitually. Um, It comes down to making decisions. If you and I were making decisions about what we bought as an individual, we would look for value for money. We Mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily look for the lowest ticket item. And I think we've got to get away from penny pinching. I also think it's a good idea to have a common purpose. Having a discussion about what we want to achieve and spend money on is a good way of getting people to work together for a common purpose outcome Mm. and actually building a relationship by working together. So we can look at a refurbishment program or we can look at even compliance with a fire safety order in two ways. It can either be a grudge or it can be an opportunity to work together and get something done. Mm, Um, So I think having a purpose and recognizing that this is something of value that you're doing. Mm. 
All great tips. Now, we might have some listeners out there who have some bells ringing thinking, that's my building that he's talking about, the badly behaved building, that's my chairperson, that's my committee. What can our listeners do, some quick wins or some actions they can take today to get started with improving the behavior in their building Mm. or perhaps improving their own behavior if they are? (laughs) Yeah. Look, can I talk a bit about the persistent complainer? Yeah, go for Uh, it. There's someone on every strata or every committee, and it doesn't matter whether it's a block of six or 600, there is a persistent complainer. And that person is the person that has an insatiable appetite for making a complaint and will never be satisfied. We give these people too much oxygen. Yes. There is this Bush law that says if someone writes something, then they must be responded to. And that's wrong. And it makes things worse. Mm. And it's, there's a very good paper published that I have here somewhere about this syndrome of persistent complainer. And it's actually a psychological condition. Mm. And I think I see it in strata all the time. And I say to people, look, let's just not respond. Let's send one letter that says, look, we can't satisfy you. And we're not going to respond anymore to your correspondence. Mm. Nothing, our silence is not to be taken as acceptance of anything, but we're just not going to play this game. And I think we have to change behaviour by making quite deliberate steps. Yep. There's another great book I like, a psychological book called The Dance of Anger. Mm-hmm. And The Dance of Anger is about patterns of behaviour and relationships and you do this and I do that and you do this and I do that and, you know, we have our dance. And that dance might be a good dance or it might be a bad dance. But before we can change it, someone has to say, I'm not doing the dance. Mm. And I think behoves reasonable people on the committee just to call this to an end. Yes. And so we're not going to enter into this continual to and fro, which just subsumes an entity. It means that the strata manager has a bad attitude to the plan Mm. and uh, will prefer to work on someone else's matters because this person has destroyed this, you know, the the, the feelings and, and the the vibe of the organisation. So I think an easy win is to just stop dealing with the difficult person and don't let that tail wag the dog, to use that um, common saying. Yes. And then I would think the next thing is just to pick one or two issues that really count to work on and don't try and do everything. Be Mm. realistic. I mean, I describe strata entities as butterflies. They have a life expectancy of less than a day. When you think about a general meeting... And four, let's say four committee meetings of no more than two hours each, you know, it adds up to a collective life of less than one day. Yep. So be realistic about what you can achieve in that one day mm. spread over the course of a year. So pick one or two issues that really matter. Do them well. Don't try and do everything. Yep. Good advice. Excellent. Michael, a personal question. What books mm. have you read that have had the greatest impact on you and why? Mm. I read a lot. Yep. At a personal level, uh, I loved a book I read many, many years ago called Who Moved My Cheese. Right. And um, it's a little parable about, and cheese is a metaphor for what makes us happy in life. Right. And it's about four mice caught in a maze and, and how they respond to changing circumstances. I've had a lot of change in my life. Yep. Particularly in recent years. And it's a very, very helpful book. So at a personal mm. level, I would say Who Moved My Cheese? I think it was written by um, a fellow called Spencer Johnson. Okay. We'll make sure that one's in the show notes. Great. I also like, from a business perspective, Good to Great by, yep. Um, yep. by Jim Collins. Mm-hmm. That talks about, you know, the intersection of passion 
What are you passionate about? What drives your economic engine? And what do you think you can be the best in the world at? Mm. And uh, I think as, from a business perspective, that was a great inspiration. And then from a strata perspective, I'm very taken with the work of a fellow called Robert Kaplan and mm. um, David Norton, his partner, and they wrote The Balanced Scorecard. The Balanced Scorecard is about how entities should focus on more than finance mm. to get a, a healthy outcome been very successfully used in hospitals and the management of hospitals and it and it really is more it challenges us to look at every decision in terms not just of a financial perspective but also how is it affecting people from a learning and growth perspective how is it affecting internal procedures and how is it affecting external customer perspectives mm. and I've drawn on that a lot to develop a, a system for managing stratas that focuses more on finance. It also focuses on issues of governance and compliance and mm. maintenance as well as finance. So I've put together four little modules which I think give people a template to go about their work. It means that they're more driven by the right things rather than the dominant issue of the day, rather than the issue that someone needs just is banging on about yes. uh, that tends to dominate and it really helps people focus on the important things rather mm. than the urgent things. And to feel that they have some control over what takes their attention. We hear all the time from unhappy strata people mm. that they want proactivity, not reactivity. Yet in my 30 years in the industry, I've seen very little from the strata management profession that actually drives proactivity. Mm. Now, you can only drive proactivity and be in front of the game if you have a template, a dashboard, mm. if you have a, and Kaplan and Norton talk about it as being the balanced scorecard. Unless you've got something that is a formula to start with, you can't be anything but reactive. Mm. So knowing what you have to do at your first quarterly meeting to help you at your second quarterly meeting to make sure at your third meeting you do the right thing and at the fourth meeting you strike the right budget mm. so you've got money at the AGM to do it all again, to me makes a lot of sense mm. and, and I've developed a system which does that. Mm, very interesting. Perhaps a topic for our next interview because you really have so much to offer and I'd love to have you back to dive into all of that stuff. All right, before we wrap up, how do listeners find out more about you, Michael? And is there anything you'd like to add before we say goodbye? Look, I'm not hard to find on the internet. So um, <laughs> Michael, michaeltees.com is my personal website. I have a blog there called Level Headed, people can subscribe for. Uh, and my book is available there for people to buy. And yeah. you can get that line or you can get it in bookshops. It's a great read. It is hilarious, I have to say. So if you're a bit disheartened by Strata and you want something <laughs> uplifting, as much as you talk about bad behaviour, you do it in a very funny way and I've much enjoyed it. Thank you very much. So thanks for your time, Michael, and I hope we can chat again on the show in future. I do too. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? 